Welcome to the Future Lab, the podcast where we talk with and about the people, companies, and ideas building the future. From startup founders building the next unicorn to someone leading innovation at a Fortune 500 company, experts in emerging technologies, or people creating the cities of tomorrow. I'm your host, Chris Berry, and in each episode, we talk with innovators and creators to learn what they're working on and how they're doing it. The one thing they all have in common are building the future. Thanks for listening to the Future Lab. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Future Lab. This is an Ohio Tech podcast where we're talking with all sorts of Ohio Tech and innovation leaders that are doing so many different fantastically inspiring and interesting things out there. And today we have a very special guest uh, who's kind of doing it at the heart of it all at The Ohio State University. So we have Dr. Ayanna Howard, who is an accomplished roboticist, entrepreneur, and educator. She became the Dean of the Ohio State University's College of Engineering in March 2021. Previously, she was chair of Georgia Tech's School of Interactive Computing, as well as founder and director of the Human Automation Systems Lab. Her career spans higher education, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and the private sector. Dr. Howard is the founder of Zybroautics, and I probably got that wrong, so we'll get to that in a bit, a Georgia Tech spinoff company that develops mobile therapy and educational products for children with special needs. Its products are based on Dr. Howard's research, and among many of her accolades, Forbes named Dr. Howard to its America's Top 50 Women in Tech list. In May 2021, the Association for Computing Machinery named her the ACM Athena Lecturer in Recognition of Fundamental Contributions to the Development of Accessible Human Robotic Systems and Artificial Intelligence, along with forging new paths to broaden participation in computing. Dr. Howard, Dean Howard, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This should be a great conversation. Well, we're excited. And and I'm just guessing, based on your bio and reading it, you're newer to Ohio, right? You're newer to Columbus. Uh, it looks like, you know, again, just kind of uh, reverse engineering it, if I could, a bit, that you were just in Atlanta, just in Georgia. Um, but tell us about that. You're, you're new. What what brought you to the state? Um, I will tell you. So it's, it's been less than a year, uh, almost a year, but not quite. And I will tell you, it's the opportunity of really making a difference um, in the state of Ohio. You know, one of the things, you know, and as you there are a lot of jokes about Ohio, right? It's like Columbus, for example, is the place you fly over. You don't ever stop. But one of the things is when I was just looking for, you know, what is this, this what is this Ohio state? What, what, what do they do? What is Columbus? What is Ohio? I realized that being really in the, it's the epicenter of the United States, which means that we have all industries here that are represented. And the range, if you think about technology, like anything you ask me, like, oh, well, do you do robotics? I'm like, yeah. You know, oh, do you do manufacturing? <laughs> yeah. You do computer science? Yeah. I mean, like everything you could think of in terms of technology is here. It's a fascinating place. And so that's really what attracted me as a, as a, as a fundamental geek and technologist. Um, that excites me. It, it is. It's, it's fascinating to see it. And, you know, I think we're, it's, it's still a bit of a secret where, places like Austin and Nashville. Um, certainly, you know, Atlanta's kind of beyond that in terms of it's become this global hub, certainly of the South, but it's almost like, you know, I don't know if we want to get the word out too much more because we have a pretty good thing going here, which is which is a lot of fun. But before we dig a bit more into your background, 
um, you know, and, and there's so much to it, which I, which I know we'll get to. If you could tell us about the College of Engineering and what you're leading as the dean, because as you were just in, in your opening comments, you know, you talked about artificial intelligence, you talked about robotics. And so when I think of robotics, there's the computer science side, but then there's also that hardware. And then, you you know, computer science and kind of the software side to it. And so, you know, today's day and age, what 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 does a college of engineering focus on? What is the diversity of disciplines that you all are teaching and the students, what, you know, the degrees they're getting? Yeah, so one of the things I think about when, when you hear the word engineering, um, First off, a lot of people think of very specific things sometimes. Uh, but really, engineering is the building of things to really enable society to have good things to use, whether it's transportation, whether it's computing, whether it's traditional robotics in the automotive, or robotics for self-driving cars. Um, and, and so when you think about engineering and, and what we are really focused on here in the college, it's to enable students and give them the tools necessary to, to build things, to imagine things that make them a reality. Um, environmental engineering is a thing. Um, and it's not just dams and bridges. It's like looking at the environment, adding in sensors, thinking about all the things related to climate change and how do we make it so that we have less pollution. Like that's an environmental engineer, one aspect of it. Uh, so basically we allow and enable students to learn anything that they want that's related to technology, the tools to build things and then deploy them for, for good societal value and use for people and by people. Yeah, that, that's an incredible overview. Um, so thank you for that, for someone who does not come from a, an engineering background, um, but but so interesting. And so just with the diversity of all, all that goes into it, and it really seems a you know, as we think about tech and, you know, again, you mentioned things like manufacturing, there's just so much from start to finish of traditional to, you know, kind of that next future, um, you know, the software, the computer science side. But let's back up a bit. And, and if we could talk about your background, um, how you got that tech bug. Is it something you always knew, you know, this is the space you wanted to be in? Or did you have, you know, what was that path to discovery? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a roboticist. Um, I didn't realize that I was a computationalist until much later. Um, so when I was growing up, I was and still am into anything related to science fiction, science fantasy, superheroes. Um, and so that was just as a child, right? Like anytime a new show came on, you know, I was I was glued to the television. Yeah. Um, and so early on, I knew I wanted to build robotics. In fact, I wanted to build a bionic woman was was my dream goal. Um, so I knew I had to go into something related to technology, realized that it was engineering, but didn't know what that meant. And even constructing what it was as a technologist. I mean, I took courses in computer science and programming. I taught myself programming when I was in the third grade. And I'm, I'm, that, was, that was something that was unique, which I did not know. It was just like, oh, my dad brought home a computer. He gave me a book and I was like, oh, basic? Let me figure out what this is, right? My little Commodore 64. Um, that was like unusual, did not know this. And so it was anything related to how do you design? How do you build? And even my engineering was a little bit of mechanical, a lot of computer science, uh, some aspects of the computer engineering and designing architectures. Um, and then of course, elements of, you know, aero and all these other engineering disciplines in order to be a roboticist. So I was drawn to that, but again, it was multidiscipline even from the beginning. Yeah, I think the, the 
uh, teaching it yourself at that, that's definitely not, not, not common with me. So that's really, that's really cool to hear. Um, I, I love, you know, your background where higher education, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, the private sector, you've been part of startups, you know, I'm sure working, advising boards, those types of things. One of the things that I find fascinating and the testament to, you know, places like Ohio State is the ability to get academics and the research happening and the expertise on campuses, but then combine it with the private sector to whether it's spin out technologies or just take leading cutting edge research with building new products, new companies. What has that path been like for you where you've melded the business world with your academic side as, as well? Well, you know, one of the things about technology is there are stages of innovation. And I think with respect to academia, um, professors, students can can play in each of those elements. You know, so there's the things about what are the hard problems? When you're in the commercial space, sometimes it's like, yeah, that's a hard problem, but there's no way we can make a profit. We can't be negative because then you go bankrupt and you close your doors. Um, and so sometimes the really hard problems, you can't invest in necessarily in the corporate space. But in academia, you can. It could be something like, yeah, this is going to take us 20 years. And it's like, well, you know, if you can find some students and a faculty member that's interested, you have 20 years to try to figure it out. Um, and you think about all the things, you know, even what we have that has really changed our our evolution. Even today, when we, when we talk about the aspect of COVID, for example, a lot of the basic research happened decades ago when people were just like, I have an idea. Let's try it in a lab. There was no commercial benefit, there was no profit, and yet here we are now. Um, and so academia allows us to play in that space. Now, where we also have some academics that are interested in terms of the industry aspect is, well, how do you convert something that's fundamental research, that's designed in the lab, so that you can deploy it into the real world so that people can use it and it, you know, blue screen of death doesn't happen every two seconds. Yeah. Uh, and so you have academics that also work with industry to try to figure out how do you translate and do that technology translation, which is another space that's beautiful in terms of working if you're in industry, as well as in academia and that, that interplay, which is, again, I think as academics, you can play in any of these spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something I'd, I'd love to ask about is, is artificial intelligence and AI. It's at least in the kind of the tech world. And if you're pulling up the Wall Street Journal, there's always buzzwords of technology. You know, sometimes it's AI, sometimes it's blockchain, sometimes it's, you know, crypto, all the different things that are out there that we, we just see. But artificial, intelli artificial intelligence, AI really, you know, interests me and I'm sure a lot of other people because of it seems it's it's growing in size and scope of governments and businesses and societies at, at large, understanding that there's a ton of power to it, but also there's, you know, there there needs to be caution of of doing it in a way that that keeps, you know, humans and, and the human side of life um, you know, at the forefront. And so if if you could, you know, maybe as a as a professor get a, a short little lecture on what is what is AI the power of it? As you're looking and you're seeing the headlines of all these stories and the role of artificial intelligence with governments and just society in general, what does that kind of mean to you? And, and what are your some of your thoughts on that? Um, so, you know, one of the things is that I think a lot of people when they hear artificial intelligence AI, they think about this. You know, oh, there's this intelligent creature that's hiding in my machine that's making all my decisions. 
Um, and in, in some elements and some aspects of the software that we use, that is going on and maybe we're not even aware of. But really, when I think about AI in general terms, it's, a, it's an algorithm that's usually cast in, in silicon, but it's an algorithm that is using real-time data to help us make decisions or make decisions. Um, and that's really what it is. Um, I think some of the fear is what are those decisions? What is the data that's being used? And how is this impacting my life? Which it, it is an issue in some domains. Um, but you know, I wanna kind of do a little bit of, of a retrospect. So I remember when I was working at NASA, this was in the year, it was about, I would say 91, 92. I remember I was sitting at work and this was in the summer and someone showed me something that was about blackboards. And I was like, what is this? Like you log in and you're chatting to someone else at another NASA facility. And I thought, oh my gosh, like this isn't, a, this isn't like where you have to call in the mode of, no, this is like real chat, right? And that was sort of the early aspects of email. Um, and we were connected back then in NASA days. Now, everyone is just like, what? You're not yeah. connected? What? How could you live like this? Right? And so if you think about that generation, again, when my very first AI, artificial intelligence, neural network machine learning was in 93, right? It was actually used and was deployed in the real world. Like, think about that, 93. And now we have students, we have high school students that can actually code up chatbots and deploy it on, on some on store, Apple or, or Google Play, and people can use it. Again, all these things existed. They were just a little bit more in the labs and government. So there's really nothing to fear. I think one of the things is anyone can figure out what it is, uh, but we do have to be careful of the data and we do have to be careful of how we're using these systems to make sure they don't make decisions leaving us out of the equation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and and I'm kind of taking this two-part question from, from part of your bio where, um, you know, for the accessible human robotic systems and artificial intelligence. And then the second part of it is, you know, forging new paths to broaden participation in computing. And that's a, a big, important topic. And in Ohio, I think we're lucky and, and I'm thankful that we have a lot of great groups, a lot of great organizations and, and individuals too, just, you know, on their own accord and own passion that are really trying to grow the tech sector through uh, whether it's it's K through 12 and getting students interested and passionate at an early age or upskilling and reskilling for professionals that have been in their careers for, for some time. But could you talk a little bit about your, you know, your efforts, your passion on that side? Um, because I think, you know, for, for us and some of the work we do, you know, Ohio is this great place, but we also, you know, don't have necessarily the population trends that a lot of Southern or Western states might have. Um, and I think we're passionate about the role tech can play in building great companies and careers, but it takes, you know, all Ohioans giving them the opportunity uh, to participate in that. And that's a pipeline of talent, which is a huge thing that businesses, you know, one of their top concerns or challenges is talent. Um, but if we can build and increase that pipeline um, through maybe communities or, or parts of the state that, you know, haven't historically had those opportunities or, or, or kind of been at the forefront of that pipeline, you know, that, that's a big focus. So can you talk a little bit about your, your passion and, and work in that part of it? Yeah, so one of the things that concerns me, and I'm gonna put on my, my computational hat, um, is that, you know, computation, i.e. learning how to program, knowing how to program, is becoming a fundamental skill for any job. Um, we're seeing that. 
Um, and so you would think, oh, well, I'm just going to be, you know, X and XP. I just want to be a teacher, right? Like, why do I need to know computer science? Like, yeah, except for the fact that you will probably have to do your lessons plan around learning how to program some type of Python script so you can actually figure out what student needs what at what time. I mean, that's that's where we are. And if you think about it, nowadays, if someone uh, is unable to read at an eighth grade level, we will put a lot of resources, especially at a younger age, in terms of, okay, we have to get this child to read, we have to figure this out. That is where we have to be with computer science, where if a child is basically unable to program or unable to understand the basic concepts of scripting by a certain age, as a society, as a community, it's like, oh, let's let's do our intervention so we can get this person on grade level. Uh, because what I worry about is we aren't doing that as diligently as we need to. And therefore, as the jobs change, whether they are anywhere from working on the factory floor to being in an office, basically doing accounting, that is going to be a required skill that is going to be needed for every single job. Um, and so thinking about the talent pipeline, really investing in the communities to provide from very early on, computer science should not be just for the high school and middle school. It should be part of reading, writing, and math. We do it in kindergarten. Well, let's do things around computational thinking and these elements of computer science so that when a child first sees their computer science program, just like with math, when they first get into their official math course, they're not freaking out because, oh my gosh, numbers. Um, right. It's a reframing, and I'm so happy that at least in the state of Ohio, this is something that's really important, and we see it as a community that this is something we have to do for our communities and for our Ohioans. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. And tech literacy is—it's it, been, as you said, great to see. You know, kind of the passion and the and the, the interest, and in, whether it's businesses or government or schools that that realize that and understand it because it, it, it is vital. And and I loved your, your comment about not just middle and high schools and getting it in as early as possible because, um, you know, there's, it's there, a lot of these kids, I'm sure, are smarter than me with some of the stuff they're doing on iPads and other things and and, and make sure, you know, we can get all, all students and all, all children this stuff. So that's fantastic. So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition to the second part of the show. Uh, all of our guests, we, we invite to answer four questions that are kind of quick. Uh, the, the, the answers don't necessarily have to be quick, but it's a fun way to see what the dean of an engineering school says and what a venture capital says, what a startup founder, what a CIO might say. So the first one is, what is a challenge you're working to solve? And this can be, you know, some people, it's what the business they're building or the organization they're leading. Others, it can be something very small that, you know, has just been taking up a lot of effort and energy that maybe isn't, you know, top of mind when 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 that when uh, most people might answer that. So what's a challenge you're, you're working to solve, Dr. Howard? All right. So just one. Um, yeah. I will say <laughs> yep. uh, one that's related to um, education. So we are in the College of Engineering working on growing our enrollment numbers. Um, so what that means, though, is that we want to do it in an equitable fashion. We want to make sure that the student who might be first gen or who's in a rural or urban environment uh, is able to come here and succeed. Um, and so this is a challenge because we're starting to think about what is our curriculum? What are our, what we call the weed out courses or the gatekeeper courses that have impeded progress in some cases of some of our students? Um, and then how do we work with companies? to ensure that they are placed in, in quality jobs that will allow them to build and bring back to their, you know, basically wealth back to their community. Yeah. 
Um, so that's a challenge and it's really, 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 it's a, it's a large lift, but it's something yeah. that we are leaning into. I love that. I love that. And, and very, very timely answer with, with what we were just speaking about, which is fantastic. So second question is, what is a favorite read, listen, or watch? Um, so it can be a book, it can be a podcast, it can be a show, something fun to get your mind off of all the craziness of our world or something academic or business related. No wrong answers here. Yeah, so my favorite watch right now is is the new Star Trek series, Discovery. Uh, so basically, my favorite watch is always whatever the Star Trek X is of the day. Uh, and so right now, that's the new series. So that's my favorite watch. Awesome. I love that. That's so cool. All right. So question number three, what is a problem you'd solve or a business you'd start if funding was no issue? So we'll kind of take anything that you're working on or you know tackling at the moment um, but you win a hundred million dollar seed around and someone says, you got to solve something that's kind of been gnawing at you. Um, what is it for you? Um, so actually it's, it's, it's solvable. It's just not a company yet. Um, yeah. so one of the things that I have to do a lot of is interacting with individuals and I'm really good with details. I can remember your child's name, when you graduated, what's your major, but I can't remember names. And so what I would like to design is actually a contact lens that's connected to my computer, like that it can actually have signals that would come up with information. So if I see someone, I can like double tap, it recognizes that, oh, double tap means I need to do face recognition, look in your contacts, pull up the name and say whatever that person's name in and any facts. Uh, so it's basically a Rolodex, for those of you who remember Rolodex, but a Rolodex, but it's technology and it's infused so no one ever knows that's so cool and uh, as a follow-up to that i i have to think that something like that is probably you know in the works or at least you know people are thinking about it w w a prediction and, and this doesn't you know this can kind of just be off the wall and fun but when do you think something like that you know starts to to come to the marketplace yeah, so I, I know the elements of this exist so that a yeah. full prototype could probably come out in five years, wow. uh, but it wouldn't be at the price point. It may right. not necessarily have a market, uh, but there's elements. For example, there's a company that's working on a contact lens to uh, help with doing diabetes detection, wow. right? So that's that's connected. It's yeah. connected to the, so there's these elements that already exist Yeah, that can be put together. That's so cool. It kind of uh, some of the stuff Facebook and I think like Snapchat had like the goggles and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that the team at Apple's working on something crazy. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all coming, which is which is kind of cool. Um, and so fourth and final one. And I'm excited to ask this one to you because um, you're newer to the state, newer to Columbus. What is your favorite place in Ohio? Um, and so it can be, again, anywhere, but say you have friends or family visiting for the first time, where, where would you take them? Um, if it was not winter, let's put that as a caveat. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. Um, Hocking <laughs> Hills, actually. Yeah. Um, I, it's a beautiful place. It has, it's just part of nature. It, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. If you just want to be in a Zen moment. Uh, yeah. so that would, that's where I would take, uh, any friends or family given that it's not winter. Yeah. Hocking Hills is great. And, uh, you know, sometimes in the snow, if it's nice and 
you know, kind of fresh powder and all that it can be, but it, it, this in between is sometimes tough with the mud and everything. So, uh, but great answer. And I'm glad you've gotten to check it out before, before winter comes. Um, well, well, Dean Howard, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I could keep going, but we try to keep our, our episodes around this time. But is there anything you want to share or kind of uh, plug that we didn't get to or that you want to want to get out there? No, I just, you know, I want to reiterate, Ohio is this magic gem. Um, and I know one of the things that we need to do here is start promoting ourselves to the world a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. And I think we're, we're in that process. I think with COVID, you know, kind of these outside the, the coastal hubs uh, opportunities have started to pop up. And it, and it really, we say this, it's, it's an exciting time for tech in the state. And, and we're both sitting in Columbus, albeit remotely at the moment. Um, but this city, there's so much to it. There's so much going on in different parts. I mean, you mentioned, you know, your work with NASA. I think a lot of folks don't know that you know, there's a NASA Glen up in Cleveland and there's some really cool stuff happening in Dayton with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And, you know, since, I mean, everywhere, there's all these little nuggets. And I think um, getting those stories and getting those messages out is important. And and we're starting to do that, which is really cool. But this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Um, a, a wonderful conversation. And for those listening, thank you so much. In the show notes, uh, in the comments, we'll also kind of drop some information about Ohio State. Uh, the College of Engineering, so you can check it out, see what Dean Howard and her colleagues are up to. But this has been the Future Lab and Ohio Technology Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And again, Dean Howard, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you.